episode 140, We Don't Do Damsel in Distress. Welcome to How to Glow, where we get real about building the marriage of your dreams. I'm certified coach Kayla Levin, and I help married Jewish women go from surviving and overwhelmed to thriving and connected through practical tips, real-life inspiration, and more than a little self-awareness along the way. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. I'm really excited to do this episode this week because I think that this is taking a topic we've discussed several times much, much deeper. So I I don't know that it's going to be too complicated. I'm not saying you have to be super smart or that you need to be really well-versed. I have really evolved in my thinking about this as I've coached more and more women. And I, of course, what I'm always doing is observing how their thoughts are impacting their experience of their relationships and how they're showing up in their relationships and what they're creating there. Right. And there's kind of this one teeny little Nakuda, this tiny little, little shift that we can make in our thinking that I think can be really profound in terms of what we're able to create in our life and what we're able to create in our marriage and also releasing a lot of sort of neediness. And sometimes of course that can turn into resentment, um, and disconnection from our relationships. So to talk about this, I want to start by kind of giving a quick recap, I guess, of the value of the concept of provider and receiver. Okay. So this is not a new concept. This is a concept that is in the Torah and we see John Gray talk about this. I personally love the way Alison Armstrong, if you're looking for someone modern, um, discusses this. And I think that understanding the concept that there is this dynamic of like masculine feminine energy and that the masculine energy is a giving over energy. Oh, I should, this is a huge omission. I should say Rabbi Tatz speaks so beautifully about this. If you listen to um, his class, he's a class marriage part one and part two, the idea that there is this essential masculine. And again, when I say masculine, we both, we all have this, but this masculine characteristic of a need to provide and this is why you see that if you, you might not see it in your own husband right now, but if you, if you observe men, you'll see the importance that a man places on his ability to make his wife happy and his ability to provide what he considers to be important. So if he thinks that being a financial provider is important, it'll be really hard for him if he's struggling in that area. If he thinks that being available for his children and his wife is important, it'll be really hard for him if he's struggling in that area, right? So however he sees himself as a provider in his family or at work or in all the things that he's doing, if he feels stifled in his ability to do that, he's gonna struggle a lot. And to me, that's the most dramatic place where I see that really playing out in action is watching that process. I really think also the concept of provider and receiver is extremely powerful for any woman who's had any kind of toxic negative thinking about men. And unfortunately, I think that this is something that Western media very much um, can promote and hopefully, you know, 
you did not grow up on sitcoms like I did, but <laughs> unfortunately, because I had that in my head, I had this without even realizing it, I had this kind of subconscious idea that men are pretty immature. They're really overly physical. They're kind of lazy. They're like these nonverbal kind of human-like creatures, but like women are the more sophisticated. We're more in touch with our emotions. We're more able to express ourselves. Like we're more into personal development and growth. Right. And it's this very like not at all flattering dynamic. And because I didn't really know that it was running, I didn't realize how much it was affecting the thoughts I had because my, the, my thoughts were not, oh my gosh, he's a man. He's such a jerk. It was just that I would assume intention. I would assume that what, why he was doing what he was doing was because of those qualities that were somehow inherently what men are dealing with, right? The shift that women make when they start to see him as a provider and what that means is really, really profound. And is like one of the most magical changes that I've seen. Like when I really got into Alison Armstrong's work early in my marriage, I saw that the way that I showed up started to be different. I really didn't even shift to like from disrespect to respect. I actually just switched to like openness and curiosity. Like maybe I'm confused about what motivates men, like what's going on here, right? And once I got to that openness and curiosity, then I saw that I showed up very differently, which of course, in turn, meant that they showed up very differently, right? Um, and so making that shift is extremely profound. I personally think this is why there's so much of a love of Laura Doyle's work, even though I know she's an extremely controversial figure. I don't personally use her work for certain reasons, which might become clear because of this podcast. But I think that for some women, like I almost consider it like a detox program, right? Like if, if that thinking, which, which is none of your fault, like this isn't ever, none of this is ever meant to be shaming or to say you were wrong. I mean, you were wrong, but we're all wrong all the time. Right. But, um, for some women going through that process of like seeing men very differently and kind of following like her protocols of how you do things allows them to just get out of the way and allow him to be who he is, right? It's not that he's not providing because he's lazy or doesn't care. It's he's not providing because he's actually kind of being blocked. And at some point, anyone's going to give up, right? It would be the same thing if it was happening at his place of work. I want to start by saying that because I think that we want to understand the value of getting that paradigm straight in our head, the value of being in an open and curious place about men, the value of understanding that what makes them tick might not be what we think. And if we have any of that negative thinking from before, really diving into understanding them as providers is one of the best ways to start to interact differently and start to have very, very different experiences with the men in your life. However, I think this is really just scratching the surface, especially as Jewish women, but I think this is really relevant for any woman. I know not everyone listening to the podcast is Jewish, but we have to really stop and think about what we mean when we say provider and receiver, because I think it really often gets mushed up with this idea of damsel in distress and knight in shining armor. And again, that's because we grow up with paradigms. We grow up with fairy tales, right? Like we grow up with these ideas and like, oh, how romantic he saved her. Like, oh, who doesn't want to be saved, <laughs> right? But as Jewish women, we have to look at who our matriarchs are. We have to look at what, what examples we have of what it means to be a Jewish woman. And I have yet to find one that is a damsel in distress. I have yet to find that as being in any way, some kind of ideal in the Jewish world, 
right? And because you have to understand if the paradigm of what a great couple is, is if he saves her, that means she needs to need saving or it doesn't work, right? Our matriarchs didn't need saving. So then where does that leave us with this whole concept of provider and receiver, right? Like she needs to receive from him, but doesn't she need a need to receive from him? Like what, how do we work this out? And we know intuitively that women are equal partners, right? In, um, in Torah, it's de- described as ezer konegdo, helper, and it means like opposite him, but but opposite requires being on the same playing field, right? So meaning she's helping him with something, but she's his he's, she's his peer. So women are equal partners, which means that what we do on the receiving end is equally important. And I don't know about you, but when I think about a woman being saved by a man, whether from the dragon or from her, the drudgery of her life or from her overwhelming emotions or from just really needing him to swoop in because she's overwhelmed. I don't see what she's really providing. And I think that kind of what, what some people will say is like, oh, she's providing because now he gets to, sorry, her receiving is so important because now he gets to provide, he gets to show up as he is. Okay, but where is she in that picture then, right? Like she's kind of getting lost in the shuffle. And I just... Again, I don't see that paradigm in Torah. So what we're doing as a receiver is equally important, not because now we get to make him feel big and strong, but because what we know from Torah is that he cannot actualize himself in the world without a partner. Rav Rav Samson Raphael Hirsch speaks beautifully about this. If you look up his commentary on Beratius, that the entire process of viewing uh, the separation of the Adam being created as one and then separating was to show Adam that he is not complete until he's married, right? So, and this goes both ways, right? Meaning he cannot complete his, what his soul needs without her, nor can she without him. Um, He has so many really amazing things over there, by the way. So definitely look it up. Okay. So, so with all of that said, right. So if she's not meant to be a damsel in distress, because we look at our matriarchs and these were women who put tent pegs through evil generals heads and, you know, definitely could take care of themselves and, um, you know, had their own personal relationship with the Shem and like all these really beautiful, strong qualities yet in some way they need each other. So it's not damsel in distress, knight in shining armor. Like how exactly do we understand this concept of the dynamic between masculine and feminine. And what I want to start with is how does this express itself practically? Okay. So when we're just seeing it as kind of that, like, let's say superficial level provider receiver, like, oh, look, he provided because he brought in money. He provided because he mowed the lawn, right? Took out the garbage. Okay. These are all wonderful things. And we should absolutely, as we would with any other human being, be grateful, right? Meaning that that's just a nice way to be as a human being. It's, it's, it's scratching the surface. It's really scratching the surface and it can go so much deeper. And so what will happen is that if that's all we see as what it means for him to provide, then that's all we see in terms of how we feel provided for. And for a lot of women feeling provided for is very tied up in feeling cared about and loved. Okay. And so then this is where it can get a little bit sticky. So this will define the needs that we are describing to our husband. Am I seeing myself as damsel in distress or am I seeing myself as, you know, Jewish balabusta able to do amazing things and actualizing my potential in the world 
by virtue of being married to this person, right? Totally different needs that I'm going to be describing to him that I have. Uh, it's going to express itself in how I feel nurtured and cared for, right? Do I need him to be taking care of me? Do I need him to be nurturing me? Now, I'm not saying that these things are bad. I'm just saying that they're not the highest level. There's more that's available. I don't want you to get stuck on this level of like, oh, he didn't take care of me. And therefore what? It's also showing up in the way we validate our belief in his love for us. And I think this one is really interesting because sometimes when we're struggling, our husbands have this energy of like, yeah, but you've got this. Why? He married you. He knows you're amazing. He knows you can handle a lot. He knows that maybe even in this area, you're way smarter than him. Like he's not going to tell you what to do. And then what will happen a lot is that these women come to me and they're like, he said, I've got this, but like, he's not taking care of me. Right. And it's just, it's so fun to watch from the outside because I get it. Right. I get it. But that's, again, that's us falling back into that damsel in distress paradigm of he needs to save me. Right. For me to feel loved. And that's really the part that I want you to hear right? Him saving you has nothing to do with you feeling, being loved, right? His admiration, his respect for you has to do with you being loved, right? And one of the things that I really love that um, Rev Hirsch says on that Pasuk and Mauritius is that when Adam is divided into Ish and Isha, so why are these names so similar? It was to, and, and also why, why was she taken from him? Why wasn't she just also brought from the ground? These things were there to prove, sorry, the second one, I'm not sure the source. I don't know if it was Rav Hirsch, but the, both of these things are there to prove the inherent equality between men and women, right? Because if she was also taken from the dirt, I don't know, maybe her dirt's not as good. <laughs> I guess that's the thinking, right? But she's taken from him. These two are equal, right? They are connecto. They are peers. They are colleagues kind of, right? They're on the same plane. So when he's treating us that way, if we're still operating from the damsel in distress paradigm, if the way he needs to take care of me is to save me, then I'm not going to be empowered by that. I'm going to be frustrated by that. I might feel rejected by that. And I might feel just very not cared for. So back to what I said in the beginning, this is not another version of, I hope this is very, very clear. <laughs> I'm not trying to say, hey, we're powerhouses. Therefore, let's echo Gloria Steinem. A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Absolutely not, right? Hopefully it's been very clear that what I'm saying is we're powerful and in need of each other, right? We're powerful and not capable of accomplishing what we want to accomplish in the world. And one more place that I want to say where this really shows up, which I think is so practical for so many of us, is that when I talk to you women, you are super women. I got into an argument with someone on how to glow in the written coaching about this. She's like, I'm not super woman. I'm like, okay, we're going to agree to disagree. I get to think you're super woman, right? We are super women. And no, I don't mean that that means your house is always clean and your children are always bathed every single day and that you always serve healthy food. I mean, stop for a second and look at what most people are doing with their time and what you are doing with your time. The amount of things this is the sweetest thing. I'll just share this with you that my, my brother has two kids and, um, and my mother was sharing with him something about our family. And he said to my mom, I don't know how she does it without a staff. Right. I want to share that thought. Like he thinks that about all of you, right? Like meaning he was saying it about me, but it's not about like superwoman, meaning like, um, miss perfect, like this image, this fake image we have in our minds. 
But for so many of you, you're making Shabbos every week. You're involved in community efforts or you're working or both. You're pushing yourself to extend yourself, whether that means to cook a meal for someone or you're hosting someone. If you have kids, then all those additional responsibilities that comes with each individual child. And most of us at some point are covering for our husbands because they're going to help someone else. And that means at home, maybe we're needed. You are super women. And instead of celebrating ourselves, when we're in this paradigm of waiting for the knight in shining armor, we're pitying ourselves. What a waste, right? Like we're doing all the work anyway. I just, again, I spoke with this with one of my clients recently. You're doing all this work anyway. Don't sit there and tell yourself, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I wish I could be saved. Tell yourself, oh my gosh, I'm amazing. Look at what I'm able to do. You might as well enjoy all the fruits of your labor and your work. You're doing it anyway. Right. And so again, like this is where this can show up when I'm still operating that paradigm of like, I'm weak, I'm damsel in distress. Right. And we just know, like, no, we're superwoman and, and we need each other. And what we can build together is so much more than what we can do alone. And I want to say a final piece on this, which is that you don't have to decide that your husband provides for you. Like, you don't need to go looking into your brain to see, like, okay, does he really provide for me? Like in, in this more profound way, like, and maybe, you know, the way I like to think about it is in terms of my spiritual journey of what I need to accomplish as a soul in this world. And sometimes what, what we need to create in the world together, these are the places where I need him to provide for me, right? Like he's going to give me kind of that spark of inspiration and between the two of us and mostly with my energy, it's going to be created into the world. And again, masculine, feminine. So we all, as women, we're, we're also doing that in some places in our lives, right? But what I want you to know is you don't have to go into your head and be like, oh, does he provide for me? Because unless you are in an exceptional situation, meaning an extremely dysfunctional or abusive situation, in which case it would potentially be a misfit for you to get divorced. And that would be something you ask a very, very big rub, right? If you're in a relationship, by definition, he is providing exactly what you need. So the question isn't, is he providing what I need? The question I want you to ask yourself is how is he providing what I need? I know he is. Hashem wouldn't have let us both get down to the chuppah if he, if this wasn't exactly what I need. And this is another one of those reasons that looking at other couples is just such a waste of time and energy because what she needs, isn't what you need. So what she got has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's just completely irrelevant information, Right. Not, not to let, like, let alone the fact that when you look at other couples, you don't have any clue what's actually going on. This, so this is the homework. This is the piece that I want to leave you with really here is to take the time to reflect. If I'm going to go to a bigger space, if I'm going to go beyond the, the immediate small needs of my day, and I'm going to start to see myself as something bigger, someone more powerful then in what way is he providing exactly what I need? And you let your, let your, um, like try and tune into like a more deep centered voice inside of you. Like, I don't necessarily think this should be a chatty conversation. I don't think this is something that you should like, uh, you know, that like chatty brain energy where you're like going a mile a minute. This is not something you should be like typing it all out really, really fast. I want you to just kind of like take a deep breath and just tune into yourself and just see what comes up for you. Because I think your answers are going to be extremely beautiful and profound. Okay. I'm really excited. I've got three 
episodes coming up for you that like, I just want to get these all out to you like the second, but I can't, we're going to just do one a week, but these next three episodes next week, I'm going to be teaching you my new paradigm. Um, and I love this for checking in with any issue that's going on in your relationship. Um, so make sure to tune back in next week. And also if you have a friend who you think might enjoy this podcast, the number one way that this podcast gets spread is word of mouth. I can't tell you how completely blown away and grateful I am for that. I would love for you to share this, whether it's this episode or another episode. If this episode feels like too much for you, please go back to when it gets hard. That is always like your touch point for when you're feeling overwhelmed and like you just cannot think in a more positive way. Um, But in the meantime, I think a lot of you are ready for this work and I'm excited to see you actualize it in the world. Okay. Be well, my friends. Bye-bye. 